the deed is done. Jay Gruden is no longer the head coach here in Washington, D.C., and Bruce Allen got up in front of the world and said that the Redskins culture is, quote, damn good. We got a lot of things to talk about today. Drag up that diesel. This is the Pig Pen Podcast. I am your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day. Jay Gruden gone. He is no longer the coach of the Washington Redskins, a move that we all anticipated was going to happen. It happened earlier this morning. He got called into the office at the wee hours of 5 a.m. Very, very nice. Very wonderful time to find out that you lose your job at 5 a.m. Bruce Allen just spoke to the media um, just really about 30 minutes or so ago. So this is kind of, uh, we're getting this out as quickly as we can just to get it to uh, to you guys. And I'd love to know all of your thoughts on the situation. We're going to try and touch on a number of different things. I'm going to do it as quickly as I can, but we're not really going to skimp out on anything or I'm going to do my best not to. But we're going to start with the fact that Jay Gruden is no longer the coach of the Washington Redskins. We will actually hear some of the stuff that Bruce Allen said today during the media. I do have some of that, but we're going to start with Jay Gruden. This is not a surprise at all. We knew that this day was coming. He knew that this day was coming. I mean, we can pretend that it was all we want, but he has a track record. This is a business, and his track record suggests he should not have been coaching the team anymore. And while I don't want to harp too much on the guy, Jay, himself, because the fact of the matter is I do have some sort of a soul, and he did just lose his job, but, I mean, I've been pretty critical of Jay Gruden this entire season, and I stand by just about everything that I've said about him to this point. Personally, he could be a great guy. But I don't know him personally. I know him as the head coach of the Washington Redskins, a role that he has served for six years with very little success. So it was his time to go. They they just couldn't do it. I mean, it's really that simple. The team just couldn't do it with him leading the charge. It looked like against the Patriots that they were somewhat in the game. And I use that term very loosely. But for the first half, the team was kind of in it for a little bit. And then they just weren't anymore. And he said after the game, you know, this isn't about adjustments or anything like that. No, it was about adjustments. They couldn't do anything against the Patriots. They really got the one score because of a very good, well-drawn-up play and just one job, one poor job of tackling on one play from the Patriots. That's the only reason they put the points up. And this is the offensive genius that is Jay Gruden. He just, he wasn't fit to be here anymore. And as simple as that is, that is what the case is. And you look at some of the guys that the Redskins essentially passed up to keep Jay Gruden, and that didn't help either. You know, once Sean McVay had real success, the writing was really on the wall. Once Sean McVay made it to the Super Bowl and the Redskins didn't, the writing, I mean, it it just grew darker and darker. When you keep a guy in favor of another guy and the other guy goes on and has success elsewhere, it looks bad on the guy that you kept especially when the guy that went on and had success elsewhere was like 30 years old. So when Sean McVay started having success, this was really going to be a problem for Jay Gruden, and that's what it ended up being. This is, 
we I think we all know this, but I just need to say this just to just to kind of clarify here. We've all heard this saying, you know, you get you, a fish rots from the head down. You got to cut the cut the head off the snake to really kill the thing. Well, let's just picture a reptile with limbs because this is kind of what this is. Jay Gruden removing him from this situation is a limb off of this reptile that is the Washington Redskins. He is not the body. He is not the head. We know who the body and the head are. It is Jay. It is not Jay. It's, it's a Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder. Those are the two guys that are still the main problem here. But from the easy part, it was Jay. I mean, the guy that's easy to kind of get rid of now is Jay Gruden. I'm very surprised that Minuski is still here, but that's for uh, another time. A lot of things have been really interesting about how this decision has been received. There have been quite a few players who are currently on the roster that have defended the culture that Jay Gruden uh, kind of installed in this team and the man that he was. You know, Chris Thompson was very emotional, and I like Chris Thompson, and I understand why he was emotional. But I also think it's important to recognize that the former players who are no longer with the team, they all came out of the woodworks on the internet, and none of them really had anything positive to say about him. That's not a be-all, end-all by any stretch of the imagination, but that is just something that I realized. You know, you had a couple guys on this year's team say they just really loved him and everything that he did for them as people. You had some other guys who wouldn't go on record to say that we needed this change and we needed it bad. And then you had everyone who had played with Jay in the past say, yeah, this is a long time coming. Deshaun Jackson, after week one, said that they knew Philly. He knew Philly was winning that game uh, at halftime in week one because he knew the team wouldn't make any adjustments. So this is something that has has been needed uh, for quite some time. Supposedly, Bruce Allen said that they decided this was going to be their decision at around 7 or 8 p.m. last night. They fired him at 5 a.m. in the morning. So from that standpoint, I kind of uh, a little bit feel bad for Jay, and I don't think, in the effort of being fair, I don't think that he was treated fairly in a lot of his time here, but at the same time, this is a business. This isn't like Little League football where everyone gets treated fairly, Uh, so you can't expect to be treated 100% fair coming into this position, and he held it for six years. So if we want to look at any form of positive in Jay Gruden's reign here, not reign of terror, but just his reign, the fact that he held a head coaching job for six years and did make it to the playoffs is at least something to be proud of, but that's about it. I mean, there's really not a whole lot else to be proud of. There's not a whole lot of big, big monumental wins in Jay Gruden's tenure here. They made it to the playoffs once. It was a great time. They won the division, and then they had a chance to do it again the next year and couldn't get it done. And then it just kind of unraveled from that point forward. The offense was prolific the year that they won the division. Kirk Cousins almost threw for 5,000 yards one year. All of these things are very great things that happened under Jay Gruden. But at the same time, you can kind of attribute some of these other things to other guys on the coaching staff, namely Sean McVay. I mean, this decision that the Redskins made to keep Jay Gruden over Sean McVay is something that's going to haunt the team for a while. I mean, it just really is. And I know there's a ton of things, uh, a ton of reasonings behind the Redskins not keeping Sean McVay. Uh, You you don't want to, I mean, Sean McVay was a 30-year-old head coach. Like, I understand that the logic behind that is not exactly the smartest the Rams did take a risk on hiring the 30 year old head coach but when Sean McVay left did anyone really think he wasn't going to be successful I mean seriously maybe we didn't think he'd get Super Bowl second year I didn't think he'd get Super Bowl second year but just knowing the type of person that Sean McVay was and knowing the quality of coach that Sean McVay was did anybody actually think that he wasn't going to have success as a head coach the answer is no 
I'm pretty sure just about everyone knew that he was going to have some form of success. So the Redskins letting him go and keeping Jay Gruden is something they're never going to be able to live down. And it kind of, that is the kind of the stamping point of this tenure. They let other guys go to keep him and it didn't work. And now all these other guys are having their success. So it sucks for Jay. It does. I mean, I kind of, I wish him the best in wherever he is going next. Maybe it's Oakland to go coach with his brother. Wherever he decides to go, I wish him the best. But I'm also glad that he's gone because we didn't need him anymore. We didn't need him. We didn't want him. He was not the guy to be here anymore. We've missed out on too many opportunities in the past with other great coaches. It's time to move on. And I'm glad they did it. I wish they would have done it before the season because I don't know why you keep a guy just to fire him five weeks into the season. They never should have signed him the extension that they did, but that's neither here nor there. That stuff is in the past, and I'm also, we know the the decision makers behind those decisions to sign him again and to keep him again, and we know that the guys that made those decisions are a bunch of bumbling idiots. But speaking of bumbling idiots, one of the bumbling idiots spoke today for the first time in just about four years. Bruce Allen spoke and openly took questions from the media, and it went just about how you would think that it would go. And that is not that great. He didn't say anything of real note. I mean, there was not not a whole lot of meaning in anything that he said. It was generic off-brand answers, but he got some bombs through his way because this was the first time that he's spoken in four years. Nothing was off-limits. He took some bombs, and while he didn't say anything that I would say is crucial information, although we will hear some of it. Nothing that he said was crucial information, but watching the video and the fear in his eyes for some of the questions that he took and the way that he just had to sit there and take it, that was at the very least somewhat enjoyable. Because the Redskins media, not everybody, but some of those guys up there, they threw some bombs in his direction, and I'm proud of those guys for doing so, and he really just had nothing to say. But we do have a few things that he did have to say. And along with him saying the culture is damn good, which we will get to um, in a second, here is what he said um, kind of just about the entire the culture itself. We're all involved in this. I don't ever want to hide from our record. I don't want to hide from um, things that didn't go the way we wanted them to go. And all we can do is work. And do I believe in the, the group that's here? Yes, I think. Doug and Kyle had a, a, a great draft. I think they've had a few great drafts. I, I, I see what the coaches are trying to accomplish. And uh, I see what the people do at the stadium. They're great workers. They care about this team. They care about this franchise. And, and I'm not saying I care more than anyone, but I absolutely want what's best for the Washington Redskins, and we're going to make sure we do it. You hear that, stadium workers? Bruce Allen sees you guys. He can likely name absolutely 0% of you, but he sees all of the hard work that you're doing, but also it's kind of your fault that we're 0-5. That is essentially what he just summed up. He said that the the 0-5 is on everyone. Hey, stadium workers, I see you guys. Shout out. The dude's a maniac. Like Listening to him talk sometimes actually hurts. And while it was fun to watch him kind of take these bombs a little bit, the responses that he had were just excruciatingly bad. I don't understand what he sees. He said at the very end there, we want what's best for the Redskins. Well, at what point can you say that honestly and still think that you should have a job? Because I can tell you, that point passed about five years ago. 
He's been here for a decade. And I don't know why, for whatever reason, when I was watching this press conference and multiple people, uh, the way they phrased their questions, multiple people did kind of mention the fact that he's been there for a decade a, a few times in the press conference. And it kind of just hit me that Bruce Allen has actually been here for a decade. Like a full 10 years, he has been running the the ship here. He's been the captain of the ship, essentially, of this organization and of this franchise. And he has just about nothing positive to show from it. I mean, we listed the few positives that Jay Gruden has. I don't even attribute those few positives to Bruce Allen himself. Like absolutely none of it. And at, at a certain point when he was hired, it was like a breath of fresh air because he wasn't named Vinny Serrato. But now it's like, you know what? I'm not saying I want Vinny Serrato back, but I definitely want Bruce Allen gone. It's terrible. I mean, I, we're at the point now. He also, one thing that Bruce said was, because somebody asked about Dan Snyder and can we talk to him? And the, the way they phrased it again, he, he, he took some bombs. Because the, the way they phrased it essentially said that is Dan Snyder ever going to talk about the franchise that he owns, which was great. It was a great way to phrase it. And Bruce Allen said, you know, Dan does make himself available from time to time, which is very similar to what Bruce is. Bruce is available from time to time. It's essentially in like four-year intervals. We're, we're talking a leap-year schedule here as to when we actually hear from the people that are running the team. That's not a good thing. That's not a winning franchise's way of operating. That is certainly not a team with a damn good culture. The dude's a maniac, an absolute maniac. How can you realistically think the culture is good? I mean, seriously. He said the culture is good. We have the pieces to win. We just need to put them in the right perspective. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Surely he has to look at himself in the mirror and think that I am the problem. There's two major problems. One of them is you, and the only other problem is the only other dude in the organization that seems to have more power than you. When you run from your home game, after the Patriots, him and Dan Snyder jumped in a car and bolted out of there. When you are running from your own home game, it is a problem. It is not good at all. Again, somebody had asked him about about his comments on the culture being damn good. And they essentially said like, hey, look, this is not working. It has not worked for a decade. What are you going to do to change it? And here was Bruce's response in reference to that question. Last year at this time, we're in first place and and we're doing well. So it was working pretty damn good. And unfortunately, our quarterback got injured. The pieces are here for a winning team. We have to put them in the right place, believe in each other, and keep fighting for a goal. There's only one way you win. You have to work, and you have to get better, and you have to beat your opponent. There's only one way to win, and then he lists out like three things, one of which was the actual dictionary definition of winning, which is beating your opponent. So thank you, Bruce, for that incredibly intellectual way of answering that question. But here's the thing. We need to stop using last year as a crutch because this we were 6-3 and three at one point thing has become an absolute crutch. Did anyone realistically think that the team last year who was 6-3, and three, who was fun, I mean, that, that was a fun team. There was some sliver of hope in that little run, but did anybody realistically think that they were going to win the division or at least compete for a playoff spot? 
I mean, I mean, be be a hundred percent honest here in this response. I'd like I need some interaction on this question because I don't think that anyone really thought that they were going to be good that year. They were six and three, yet Alex Smith had gone three consecutive games at one point, not eclipsing two hundred yards passing. So while they were winning and it was working, it was not something that they were going to be able to sustain for the remainder of the season. Alex Smith wasn't getting the offense. He was not throwing the ball down the field. So while, yes, we were 6-3 and three because we had beaten a couple bad teams, we beat one good team. The one good team that we beat was the Dallas Cowboys. I guess you maybe Green Bay if you want to get into that, but Randall Cobb also dropped about 12 balls that day, so that helped out a little bit there. But we beat Dallas. That was the one team because our defensive front was healthy and they held Ezekiel Elliott. It was one of the best performances of the defensive front that we've seen with the group that we have now, which was virtually the same as the big three. It was the big three. We had them. They were able to shut Zico Elliott down. That's why we won that football game, because our offense wasn't good last year. So if we are going to rely on, oh, well, we were 6-3 and three last year, so we were clearly moving in the right direction, we have to let that go. We just have to. I mean, it's nice that Alex Smith is still technically a part of this roster, and we see him in the press box all the time, and it's a great story. I love that he is still around the team. I love that he's getting better, but he's not going to play football again. So when we say like, oh, well, we are in 6-3, and three. we are moving in the right direction, well, Alex Smith is not going to play again. Adrian Peterson is probably not going to be here any, a whole lot longer. Jay Gruden didn't seem to like him that much. We are now without our star left tackle, who has no plans of coming back. Bruce was asked about this. He said, no, we haven't spoken. Which is funny because like a couple months ago, they had, Bruce had said, yeah, we're, we're speaking every now and then. No, nah, he, he dropped that facade. They have not spoke. Diane Rossini of ESPN uh, re- released a report essentially right after this Bruce press conference that said Trent Williams has absolutely no desire to return any time this season. So we're now without him. What direction are we now moving in? Like, we have lost three of the best parts of that offense last year. Even if Alex Smith wasn't playing great, there was still some sort of idea and some sort of hope that maybe, just maybe, he's going to get this offense. We have lost them. Jordan Reed is concussed. I don't even know if he's ever going to play again. Like At a certain point, there's a moral obligation to kind of step in and stop him from playing again. So that 6-3 and three run, it was fun. It was false hope, though. Because the way, of the, the way that we played that year was not sustainable, and it was not something that was going to be... Uh, a real chance at competing, not only just for the division, but for a playoff spot in general. If you're still holding on to that, it's a crutch. Let it go, and, and you got to stop. You just do. It's a crutch. It, it's it's not true. It just isn't. We were not going to win that year. We got to let that part go. Okay, now that kind of the Bruce stuff is out of the way, that was, I mean, you can go watch the whole press conference. It's only about 15 minutes. So for the first, the dude talks for the first time in four years and essentially takes about six or seven questions. Also, he did take a question about how our stadium was overrun by Patriots fans. And the first thing he said was that he appreciates the Patriots fans for being loyal to their team. And I was like, hey, Bruce, you're a dick. He just completely went past the idea of the fact that it's his fault that nobody goes to the stadium. All right, but we do have to talk about the actual guy that's going to be leading the team uh, for the next 11 games and then the position that we now have to fill moving forward. Bill Callahan is the interim coach. Uh, I think that's a good decision. Obviously, uh, we got uh, Kevin O'Connell, KOC. We got him moving forward, and he is going to be the guy um, that a lot of people are going to have their eyes on. Obviously, um, his relationship with Dwayne Haskins is going to be key. Uh, moving forward as to how those two guys can 
produce together and can form some sort of real relationship. He is going to be a guy that's going to get looked at for the head coaching job. Uh, but right now, I think Callahan is, is the right move, at least for the next 11 games. I don't think there is there's a very slim chance that Callahan is the head coach. And I think the only way that Callahan is the head coach for the Redskins next year is if somehow this team rattles off 11 consecutive wins. Uh, we are just going to we're just going to say no. We're just going to say it's not going to happen. Can we all can we all agree on that? Good. We're good. We're not going to rattle off 11 wins. Okay, sweet. So we'll move past that one. Callahan's not going to be the coach. There have been some big names rumored, though. And this is what I'm afraid of here. I'm afraid of getting our next Jim Zorn. Because when I look at the uh, the uh, the position that you would be coming into as a new head coach, it's not a great one. So there's not going to be a whole lot of candidates that are going to have this job listed very high on their desires of where they want to spend at least the next year, maybe the next few years of their football life. And it's very similar to the point where we were at when we hired Jim Zorn. Because uh, if you remember, if you don't, let me just jog your memory a little bit here. We hired Jim Zorn to be an offensive coordinator and then couldn't find a head coach. So we just said, eh, we'll give it to him. I'm fearful that we're in that position again because this job is so just unappealing to nearly everyone, I am fearful that we are going to find someone as and, and we're just going to find someone to hire as a head coach that isn't ready to be a head coach. But we talked about last week the possibility of um, Byron Leftwich coming on. I think Byron Leftwich is a great football mind. I would love to have Byron Leftwich around Dwayne Haskins, but I don't think he's ready to be a head coach yet. And I'm fearful that we're not going to be able to find anyone and we're just going to turn to him and be like, hey, you want the keys to the car? And he'll just say like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll take it. And that's not what I want to happen. But I'm that's kind of where we're at here because some of the names here, we got Mike Tomlin, you know, the guy that's coaching the Steelers, which means one of two things. Dan Snyder either thinks Tomlin's going to get fired by Pittsburgh, which is plausible. It's not, I wouldn't say that's a realistic thing, but it is plausible. Or two, and this one is probably the uh, the the correct answer, Dan Snyder's delusional because there's absolutely no way any rational human being would think that Mike Tomlin, who has been one of the longest tenured coaches in the entirety of the NFL and done so with one of the better run organizations in the NFL, there's no way that dude's going to look at his organization and be like, actually, guys, you know what? I'd rather go play for Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder, who are just going to have their hands all over what I do. That's not happening. It's just not. And Tomlin's a great defensive mind. He's not He's not going to willingly leave Pittsburgh to come here unless you are just putting way too many zeros on the check. I mean, we'd, we'd have to be like John Gruden-type numbers on the like $10 million a year. And Tomlin's a fine coach. I don't know if we're doing a 10-year, $100 million contract for Mike Tomlin. That seems like a losing mentality, a losing move there. You got the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Uh, we talked a little bit about him last week. I think he would be a fine pick, although he doesn't look maybe the greatest after that whole debacle with Travis Kelsey and then also the fact that the Chiefs only put up 13 points this week. Maybe that's not the best time to be talking about him, but I think he is a a noteworthy candidate that is probably going to get some sort of attention, uh, not from just us, but from whoever else fires their coach, because while Jay Gruden is the first guy to go, he is certainly not going to be the last guy. But the most interesting list uh, uh, as far as the big names go is Todd Bowles. Because if you remember about Todd Bowles, uh, he has a history with this organization, but also he has a very recent history with the organization because Dan Snyder essentially kind of offered him this job this summer. 
there were reports that Dan Snyder was going to, not going to, but he did offer Todd Bowles the job as defensive coordinator, which was already filled, by the way. Like Minuski was still under contract. He hasn't gone anywhere since. He, he wasn't. He was still here, and he essentially offered Todd Bowles that contract with the idea that as soon as Jay Gruden was done, he was going to automatically be bumped up to the head coach. Now, you don't need to have perfect vision to see exactly what's going on there if you're Todd Bowles. It's essentially saying, Dan Snyder's, you're going to be the head coach, just not yet. So we knew that, Dan, that Jay Gruden was going to get fired at some point. He essentially offered Todd Bowles a job, and he decided, I'd rather go to Tampa Bay and coach with Bruce Arians. So I don't know what has changed from then to whenever we decide to officially reach out to him. But something tells me that he might he might be staying in Tampa. If he didn't want the job last year, I don't really know why he would want it this year. Especially considering just how much of a debacle this has become. This is a national fiasco at this point. Like, everyone knows about it. There was a point in time where the Redskins weren't exactly the greatest run franchise in the world, but they weren't being consistently talked about on the national level. Well, now everyone knows. Everyone knows that this this is a train wreck that we got going here. And we're loyal to this train wreck, but it is a train wreck. And I don't know if Todd Bowles wants to get in the car of a train that he knows is going to crash uh, at some point. And he sees the way that Jay Gruden's been treated. I'm sure he's very much aware of the way that Scott McLuhan was treated. I, I don't know why he would subject himself to that. I don't know why anyone would subject themselves to that, which is what makes me afraid that we're going to have Jim Zorn 2.0. Today was kind of a good day for the Redskins, but it's also we are facing the, the, the frightening reality of the fact that this is not going to change anytime soon. The reports are that Bruce Allen is going to be with the team for the foreseeable future. I don't know. I don't really ever know what foreseeable future means. Does that mean a couple months, a couple years? I don't really know. It's frightening either way because he should have been gone five years ago. But this is just where we're at now. So Jay Gruden's gone. But the head and the body of the reptile are still here. And they're the ones making all the decisions. It's not a great time. It just is. I'd love to hear your thoughts at Denton underscore day on Twitter. This did go a little longer than I had originally anticipated, but hey, I had some things to say, and I'm sure you do as well. Let me know all of those things or down below in the comment section if you're listening on hogshaven.com. Until then, I'll see you guys next time on the Pigpen Podcast. Podcast.